Good morning, everyone. That was really good. Glad to see everybody this morning. Uh, we are lucky today to have Larry Gray as our guest pastor. Uh, I met Larry, I guess, uh, years ago when he was living here through Commerce Lexington. I think we ran into each other in several things. And he is uh, well known for his uh, very commu uh, much community involvement. And little does he know, I have great friends in Corbin who also think that you walk on water, as do we. So anxious to see that when you get up here and preach this morning. Um, and the life, you know, there's always little funny things that happen to you and uh, or funny stories that happen. And so, as you know, our youth, not this past week, but the week before, they went to passport camp. And, you know, there comes a time when your nephews become you, and they kind of give it back as you have given them all this time. And uh, my oldest nephew, Kyle, uh, this is all via text. I'm texting both of them together, Justin and Kyle, and as they got back from camp, because I understand that mean old Charles took their phones away from them while they were there. And, you know, getting an answer from them on a text anyway is a 50-50 shot. But anyway, uh, when they got back, I texted and I said, uh, how was camp? And Kyle answered. He said, it was good. I said, any aha moments? He said, what? This, again, this is all via text. I said, you know, big revelations. He said, no, mostly John, Corinthians, and Colossians. <laughs> I said, you're being funny, right? He goes, yeah, I'm being funny. I said, okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'll leave you with that, and um, welcome to Central Baptist. stand if you're able and join me for the call to worship. God of healing, God of light. 
God of healing, God of light. You call us by name, but give us powerful God of healing, God of light. God of healing, God of light. join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for bringing us together on this beautiful day, for the opportunity to fellowship with those we know and love. Help us to remember that you're in our hearts and minds and will give us the strength to deal with whatever comes our way if we just have faith. Thank you for all of our blessings and help us to pay it forward in grace and maybe touch the heart of someone who's seeking. In your name, amen.
And I invite you to pass the peace to those around you. Our Hebrew scripture reading from this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 19. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall appoint Hazel as king of Aram. <clears throat> and a reading from Galatians chapter 3. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise for the word of God that works its way into us. Thanks be to God.
Dear God, on the how many levels do we need to be healed? Our bodies, our minds, our spirits, our churches, our communities, our cities, our towns, our country, our world, all seem to be in a state of brokenness. We pray, O oh God, that you will begin this morning working in us, that you will heal us, heal us as you see fit, heal our community, heal our church in whatever ways it needs to be healed so that we can be examples, so we can be an offering to the community to show what the love of Christ and the wholeness and the healing that comes from that can actually produce. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. I invite you now to stand for the reading of the gospel. This morning, read from Luke chapter 8. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city, who had demons, met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it has seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would not break but he would break the bounds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to order them to go back to the abyss. Now there on the hillside a large herd of swine was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man for whom the demons had gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone, begged that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.
Gwen, thank you for those um, kind words. And it's good and humbling to be in a place this morning where people have known you long enough and know you well enough to know that walking on water stuff is, um, well, in fact, this guy behind me knows that if I'm in water, I'm usually walking underwater. Um, So, we are grateful to be here with you this morning and um, to quite frankly to talk about a text that is, and several texts that are rather challenging and with which I am still struggling to make some sense, although I'm not gonna deal exclusively with the details and the complexities of the text, especially in, in the Luke uh, version. However, what we do know is that it had to be a strange and alarming encounter for these disciples. They had just survived a storm at sea, remember? They were at sea, the seas became and the winds became difficult. Jesus was asleep, they woke Jesus up. And this is the one who then, because of his intervention, he calmed the storms and calmed the, the waves and the seas. And from then on, they had smooth sailing. And they wondered, not just the storm, but being in the presence of this one who had, could command the winds and command the seas at his bidding. They were having a hard time naming this Jesus. They had a hard time naming their experience. Who is this man that he can do that? Now they arrive safely on the other side, only to be confronted by a different kind of storm, a more personal human storm, nevertheless disorienting and upsetting and frightening. Here stood the naked demoniac in front of them. Now, it was Jesus' choice to go across uh, the, the lake to the other side in the boat. And by doing so, he knows that he's crossing boundaries, multiple boundaries, geographical, ethnic, and religious. He was entering foreign land and foreign territory, the borderlands, the other side of the religious tracks. But for his followers, what in the world has he brought them to? They have entered what might have been considered the domain of death. In this scene, as one commentator writes, nothing is kosher. Everything is unclean. The spirits, the tombs, the pigs, the territory. This is not the summer cottage country. Jesus risked contamination for himself and for his disciples for the life of this one man. But as we have come to know, this is exactly the sort of thing that Jesus does. Debbie Thomas, in her Journey with Jesus blog, writes, This man in front of them haunts the places of the dead. Every night the townspeople hear him shrieking among the tombs, and when they're quick enough, they catch him and wrap his wrists and ankles in chains and haul his naked body securely shackled somewhere. Now, in her generous interpretation, Debbie says they haul him back to town to protect him from himself. A less generous interpretation may be they haul him back into the tombs and tie him to a tree to protect themselves from him. But there's no containing the crazy. He escapes each time. 
trailing broken chains with him, he wanders the wilds, tearing at his skin until it bleeds, trading one kind of pain for another. If he has a name, no one knows it. If he has a history, no one remembers. And she writes, if he has a soul worth saving inside his living corpse, no one sees it because no one looks. Debbie Thomas, in her blog, continues to say, the story of the Gerasene demoniac is a tough one for us 21st century Christians to enter into because it's full of details we find bizarre. Chatty demons actually bargaining with Jesus, suicidal swines, instantaneous healing. It's the stuff of black comedy or horror. How, an, how does an ancient exorcism story become good news for us? Well, let me take a detour and say before it becomes good news for us, we have to acknowledge the ways this story confronts us this morning. Because it causes us to reflect on our own tendencies to isolate and marginalize serious, the seriously mentally ill. Through social and economic policies and health spending allocations, we assign them to their places in our shelters or to roam the catacombs of our alleys in the back steps of our businesses. The demoniac perhaps is even a classic scapegoat figure who carries on his shoulders and within his spirit and within his very body the persecutors, the illness of the community, in a classic mode of the victim who internalizes his tormentors. And perhaps that is an archaic postmodern way or pre-modern way of addressing mental illness in the way we find in this story. But I'm not sure we have moved very far beyond that in our social attitudes, in our behaviors, in our funding, in the ways that we continue to make certain people our identified patients who carry our anxiety and our pains and our inability to face the realities of our lives and to, and to carry what we cannot explain or accept in ourselves. We could go on for another couple of hours if we wished just to try to tease out all the other implications in this story for us and some of the difficulties of translation of this story for us. But I'd rather focus our short time together on a thread that, for me at least, ties together all three of these lectionary passages in our struggle for identity. The thread weaves together the naming where we are located in life and the labels and the images that shape personal identity and perhaps even corporate identity. They are the themes that are equally woven into the fabric of personal liberation and restoration. What are you doing here? The Lord asked Elijah. And you remember the story. Elijah has just won a major battle with the false prophets, according to the story. And folks, uh, as you would imagine, when somebody does something like that, when somebody tears down the um, social power structures and lays bare the emptiness of false idols, there's something to be paid for that. The queen threatened his life, and so he ran. He moved on. 
And finally, we find in this passage, the, 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 he's in, in the area where he has moved on to find safety, and the Lord comes to him and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? God questioned the frightened prophet with a question of identity that is just as much a question of identity as what is your name. Because where you are and how you are situated in life can be an expression of core identity for good or for bad at any point in our lives. What is your name? It's a primary question that goes to the core of identity as Jesus asked the demoniac. We see it from the start, from the very beginning in the wonderful book of Genesis where God names the world and names creation into existence and then gives the power to humanity to name their world around them. And we continue to name and call out and label, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. Then this morning I challenge you to recognize the power of words and the power of our naming. Because today we have to admit in this place that we are legion. We are many names. We are many identities. We are many labels. What is your name? Who are you? We are legion. Legion, the man says in response to Jesus' question, my name is legion, a multitude, a vast host, an incalculable swarm. As some translates it, I am a mob within me. Why? Because many demons torment him, according to Luke. In other words, the sources of his brokenness are myriad. The assault on his mind, soul, and body is full, multi-pronged. It comes from many sources, all braided together. Does this sound familiar to any of us? The truth is, what ails us as human beings is legion. The evil that haunts us has many faces, many names. We are all, every one of us, vulnerable to forces that seek to take us over, to bind our mouths, to take away our true names, to separate us from God and from each other. Again, from Debbie Thomas in her blog, some of us suffer from depression or anxiety. Some of us are addicted to sex, alcohol, wealth, or thinness. Some of us experience the world at a deafening volume and colors too lurid and bright for our sensitive eyes. Some of us are slaves to the internet or prone to bitterness or caught up in cycles of dishonesty or in lust with our own rightness. Some of us can't shake traumatic memories. Some of us were abused as children. Many of us are seething with jealousy. Some of us are imprisoned with systems of injustice that stretch back so many centuries and generations that we cannot even imagine liberation. Some of us experience our skin colors, our accents, our genders, or our sexualities as magnets for other people's hatred. Some of us suffer illnesses that crisscross the boundaries of medicine and culture, nature and nurture. Some of us know exactly what St. Paul is talking about when he says, What I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Many people in our world and many of us are haunted by traumatic past and tortured by memories. How many live in unsheltered and inadequately clothed because of social and economic forces that they cannot overcome no matter how hard they struggle? 
How many are in prison, regarded as barely human, excluded, cast out, marginalized? How many are enslaved by addictions who no longer know where the addiction ends and their identity begins? Where do governed authorities separate people from their families, denying them opportunity to seek better lives? Where in this world do occupying armies still brutalize entire communities and hold them captive to fear? But the recognition that we are legion is not only about the negative aspects of our identity and all that assails us and assails our culture in our church. Yes, names and labels often are used to justify our actions and carry out our anger and our prejudice towards others. We use names and labels to protect ourselves and to build walls and boundaries to our worldviews to protect ourselves, to exclude others, to name the other as not us to define and distance, to scapegoat, to blame. But reality is, for good, we are also legion. Many people have named us for good. They called us children, their children. They've called us community. They've called us brother, sister. They've named us friend. But reality is, very often we all are a mob of undifferentiated and unintegrated selves. Names and voices in need of embracing and healing, of liberation and restoration. In our beautiful passage today from Paul's letter to the Christians at Galatia, we are reminded that it's important about how we have chosen to be named and how we often have named ourselves. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I've always been short. Thank you, as one other short person. At times, I've been shorter than other times in my life. But what's amazing is how a simple physical description can become internalized as a definer of identity and self-image. Because you see, it made a difference whether the descriptor was used by my clothing salesperson helping me find clothes that would actually fit me, not in the child's department. Especially as I gained weight, it's harder to find husky. Um, <laughs> or whether it was a bully wishing to diminish my spirit. You know how easily those things begin to stick and to shape self-identity and self-image. In the wrong hands, the description gets translated into messages of not strong enough, not good enough, not measuring up. Larry, you did a good job today, a message from my boss, also immediately is heard in my own brain, but you could have done better. Or more damaging, you should have done better. You know those messages. 
those internalized voices, those names, those labels that shape our self-identity and haunt our dreams. Simple words that describe reality, but in the wrong hands and out of hateful mouths become demeaning and damaging messages. We know that words can describe our wonderful and beautiful diversity here in this place, or they can be weaponized in the mouths of people who wish to contain, belittle, and diminish. We understand how common language often becomes dog whistles that carry generations of meaning and evil. Within us are both shadow and light. We are legion. Within us is both good and evil. We are legion. Within us is both confidence and fear. We are legion in need of differentiation and integration, the kind of things like Raleigh Kincaid and Bill Sapp and others can help us with from time to time if we so choose. But we carry scars and messages that often diminish our ability to hear the truth, to differentiate names and labels that hurt us, but in their meaning we can claim control and power over them because we can also carry with us the names that give us encouragement and hope for our place in the world what also caught my attention in this passage, right off the bat, was when Jesus asked him his name and he names himself Legion, immediately when we get a picture of a person, again, whose identity is so taken over by his situation in life and by his ailment, that he is identified completely, his identity is so identified with his affliction. I remember um, years ago when Sophie, one of our granddaughters, was born with, um, um, now I'm going to get this wrong, hemangioma. Is that right? Yeah. It's, it's a, some of you nurses and doctors in here, I know you're, you're already looking at me kind of like, hmm. It, it's, it's a grouping, a bundle of blood vessels, and it was on the top of her foot. And it, it was uh, so large and discolored that it was often painful and broke open, cracked open and bled. And had to constantly be treated, but she was too young to be, for it to be treated surgically or be taken care of. And so she wore sandals and wore shoes that would not rub it and would not hurt it. it didn't matter what the weather was. She had to wear things that could not break it open and disturb it. When she became old enough to finally have surgery, and we were trying to think about this. It was, she was somewhere three, four, five years of age. Young enough that it startled us when she, before she went into surgery. And her mom and dad were explaining, and the doctors were explaining, how once this surgery is over and the skin grafts were in place, no longer would she see that on her foot and now she'd be able to wear regular shoes. And her question was, well, how will they know me? She had long been identified as the child with the foot problem. How will they know me? How often do we identify ourselves with our illnesses how often do we identify ourselves with our inefficiencies, 
How often do we identify ourselves with our failures? How often do we identify ourselves in such ways that when we need to take the risk to be vulnerable, we are reminded of every failure, every disappointment we've ever experienced before? W.C. Fields famously said, it ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. Makes a lot of sense. Except in reality, it, it diminishes a bit the power of naming and labeling and messages we have heard all of our lives. If it were just so simple that I could just simply say, I am not going to live by that name, I am not going to live by that label, I am not going to listen to that voice, life would be grand. However, I do believe deep within us is the ability, as described by Viktor Frankl, who lived through the concentration camps, and in his book on man's search for meaning, talked about the fact that, they can, that people and naming and actions of others can take away everything from us except for one thing, and that is the power we have to decide how we will respond to what life brings us. There are so many voices trying to possess and discourage us that we still call them legion. Yet against all of them stands the still, small, but mighty voice of the one who still crosses oceans and boundaries to tell us of God's love and to call us back to right minds and grace-filled identities. We are legion. For good or for bad, we are legion. But thanks be to God, there is a unifying and healing and liberating power available to us. I'm also reminded of the power of words when I start thinking about how we name and others and our ability, our power to create our world around us, to build up or to tear down, to expand or to contract. It is the power of community. There are so many opportunities for naming that injures and shackles in the world around us that we face every day that we ought to understand that this is the place where we should be able to share words that build up and naming that lifts and heals and liberates and restores. This is a place where we ought to be very intentional about our words. Very intentional about our descriptions. They give our young men and our young women visions of the opportunities for their lives. Which gives our people, no matter their gender identity, sexual identity, racial identity, ethnic identity, a vision of the possibilities for them as liberated and whole people. In this work, uh, these words from Galatia, we think probably the latter part, really a baptismal formula. Paul describes how there is neither Jew nor Greek, free nor slave, male nor female. And in that context, he is calling people all of us together to live in a dynamic community of faith where we know the playing field has been leveled, that what had been described by law 
as to what differentiates male and female, no longer counted in the presence of Christ. It is impossible to overstate the impact of this statement in Galatians. It is impossible because here racial, religious, ethnic, class, and gender roles are deemed invalid. In a culture based on these divisions, we are careful to order everything as it should be. This is beyond radical. Labels that can be used to confine and define place in society and order in society. Labels and names that are used to tell people where they belong in community are reduced to a simple description. Because in Christ, one name, one label supersedes and reorients them all. You are a child of God. Period. End. You are a child of God. It is liberation from shaming labels twisted to harm and to shackle. Announcing freedom to claim our identity and to restore of our name for which we were born. Child of God, creation of God. The distinctions don't evaporate. In fact, we ought to celebrate and name our distinctions. We ought to name our colors. We ought to name our identities. We ought to name those differences. The issue is, at the heart of all of this, is those distinctions are left powerful are left powerless to contain and define us in ways that diminish us. The heart of this passage is a revealing trajectory towards unity that is made possible only in Christ. The distinctions are cultural constructions, not the will of God. In God through Christ, there is only oneness. As a people of Christ, we are to continue that trajectory of naming for good, naming for healing, naming for wholeness. Jesus removes the shackles, removes the shackles of the laws that codifies distancing and limits our understanding and openness, opens us to new relationships with others and just as importantly to new relationships with ourselves. Liberation and restoration. In the stillness, Elijah proclaimed, reclaimed his prophetic identity and knew that he had to return and do the work of addressing the storm that he had created. In the Lucan passage, a healed man, a healed man liberated from his demons with, worthy, with worth and identity restored becomes a testament of God's love and power. Paul declares a reorientation of naming and labels that once were used to define social and legal identity that they no longer carry the power to differentiate. Whatever names you carry within you, the naming above every other ultimately defines and orients all the others. You are a child of God. In this congregation this morning, we are legion. Many names and labels, some with which we struggle because they have been used to belittle and diminish, and others we ought to celebrate our differences 
and find the clarity to integrate into our sense of community. Some names and labels express our many gifts and graces. May we find the opportunities for expression of all of those in service in this place. I am legion. I am many selves. But thanks be to God that in the wonderful works of Christ who I claim as Lord, I am unified under the banner and the name that is above all others. I'm a child of God. Amen. As I think nobody does better than Larry, to take a passage about the other and to make it about the self. I would ask, from what do you need to be liberated this morning? Because we know what we need to be restored to, the full and deep recognition that we are children of God. So this morning I would ask you to not ponder the other, but to question the self. From what do you need to be liberated? And invite Christ to work that miracle on you, even as we stand and even as we sing. Please stand.
Thank you. You can be seated for just a few moments as we uh, have some announcements and then we're going to do our commissioning for children's camp this morning. Um, we've got some visitors today. Dave, Marie, let's see who's with you. Christina and Brian. Yeah, we're glad that you all joined us today. So, uh, so welcome this morning. Glad that you all are here this morning. Um, I know we got some, some other folks visiting as well. We want you to know that you all are welcome here today as well. Thanks so much, Larry, for preaching this morning. We're so grateful for your presence here with us always, and especially this morning as you, you preached to us and delivered uh, the word that we need to hear this morning. You'll find out, I think we still have some left in the foyer. There are some little journals. Last summer we did uh, gratitude journals uh, where you could write down things that you were grateful for. This summer we have some listening journals, a chance for you to listen and to reflect on the work of the Spirit uh, in your life, uh, in the life of our community here with one another, and in the life uh, of God beyond us and in the world beyond us to imagine where God might be calling us, what God might be inviting us to. So we invite you to take those to maybe guide your thoughts and your reflections this summer, and then uh, we'll be trying to find some ways along the way to, to maybe find some of your responses and discuss some of these things together as well. Also, uh, this Saturday on uh, June 29th, we're going to be at the Pride Festival. We'll have a booth there. It's a great time. It's lots of fun, and we invite you to come and to maybe join us at the booth for a little bit. Uh, there our sign-up sheets in the foyer, and you can sign up for uh, maybe an hour to come out and just to hang out with us. It's a great time. Just get to say hi to folks and say welcome, and we're glad that you're here, and, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time to be together. Um, then on Friday, July 12th, the legend, we're going to go to the Legends game. Uh, we're going to support the Flockers fighting cancer, and if you would like to buy a ticket for that, Rebecca, I believe, will be out in the foyer um, afterwards, and you can go to the sign-up table and purchase tickets there to support the Flockers fighting cancer and go to a Reds game as well. So uh, I believe that's all the announcements we have today. Uh, this week uh, is children's camp. And, uh, and Charles and Adam are going to children's camp. And so you guys come, aren't you going to come up? Okay. You looked at me like I was doing something wrong. I'm waiting for you, Charles, to come up. Come up. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I said it, you were like, what? Okay, anyway. So they're going to come up. And we're gonna uh, we're gonna gonna read our commissioning for children's camp to them as they go this week to children's camp to have uh, a wonderful time together and uh, to learn and to uh, to grow with God. So will you read with me our commissioning to children's camp? We offer you our blessing as you participate in camp this week. We pray that you will grow in your faith as you learn and worship play and share. May you feel God all around you this week. We look forward to what you will share with us when you return. Pray for us as we pray for you. Amen. Y'all can sit down. You can come by and shake hands at no man after the service. Uh, we hope you all have a wonderful time this week, and we'll be praying for you as you, uh, as you go to children's camp. And now uh, Larry is going to come and offer our benediction. Please stand. As you go from this place, may you go in the power of the God who first named you. May you go in the presence of Jesus the Christ who has shown us a more excellent way to live in community. 
May you go with a sustaining spirit who whispers in your ear throughout this week, you are beloved, child of God. Go in peace.